The InStuff podcast is sponsored by ScratchBand. Just stop touching your face. Don't make me explain why anymore. It's gross. I don't care if you buy ScratchBand or come up with some other way to do it, but just quit. I mean, it's the easiest way I've found to quit touching my face, but, you know, whatever works for you. ScratchBand, join the evolution. More information at scratchband.life, also available on Amazon.com. Kristen, welcome to another episode of the InStuff Podcast. Thanks, I'm excited. I have a resolution for this podcast. What is that? I am not going to interrupt you for the entire podcast. I don't believe it. What it's going to lead to is a lot of silent moments while I wait to make sure you're finished. <laughs> That's not an important thing to me. That's why, it's like, why, why is that a thing? I don't know. It, it, because it's, uh, you know, it feels like my toxic masculinity at play here so i don't think it's your toxic toxic masculinity i think it's your personality and i don't think that's a bad thing Ooh. no <laughs> wait i just interrupted you by booing <laughs> I, like, I feel like you need an explanation <laughs> you interrupting makes the conversation i think it keeps the conversation going because i'm somebody who will stop just to listen and I won't push, I won't be the one keeping the tempo for the conversation. Like, you are a talker. Like, mm. you are a professional talker. I am not. I feel like the reason I do it is a sign of enthusiasm for what you're saying, not an effort to talk over you. Yeah. I feel like it's my sort of way of saying, like, Kristen, you're right. Like, that's amazing. You've never said those things. I've said it <laughs> in... <kidding>. Uh, <laughs> It's fine. In like, my tone. Also, like, it, this whole thing, it doesn't bother me at all, so it's a non-issue. All right. Well, maybe it should bother you. <laughs> I've got a question for you. What? What would you do if you lost your cell phone, your smartphone, on a trip? On a trip? Yeah. Hmm. I would try to find it. Okay. I would do the where's my phone thing. How? I, if I was on a trip, I would also have my laptop. In some no, you don't have a laptop. I would borrow a friend's. You don't have any friend's laptop? I would call a friend with a laptop. How? <laughs> I would go to a, wherever, wherever I'm staying and use the phone. How would you know your friend's number? Because I know the number. You know your friend's numbers? Mm-hmm. Wow. The people that I would call, yeah. Also, I could just call my friends at work who actually know how to do these tech things. <laughs> <laughs> and their phone number is on the website. Let's say it's gone. Let's say they can't find it. You have no phone, no tablet. What do you do? Is that a problem? No. Why not? <laughs> because I can still get the phone numbers from either LinkedIn or Facebook. Like the internet would have to be dead, in which case I think I have bigger problems than finding my phone. So you would go to like the hotel computer center mm -hmm. and use that, assuming your hotel has one. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. So, what would you do if you lost your phone? Well, 
This is sort of a point I want to make about how much we rely on smartphones, which is our subject for today. And I bring it up because of this incident that happened in December 2020 at a hotel in um, Soho. I'm not sure if you heard about this, but... Uh, Did this happen to you? No. Okay. No, this was like national slash international news. Um, when Maya Ponsetto attacked like a 14-year-old boy who she thought had stolen her phone. And... Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's all, it was on video and he happened to be the son of a musician and he was, they're all, the family's black. So that added another element and she's a, uh, I think she's a Latino woman. And I mean, she was on like national, I mean, first there was a boatload of outrage and then they actually filed charges and then she was on national news. She was interviewed for national news and was not contrite at all. And just look like a horrible person. Oh my word! <laughs> a really like her lawyer was trying to like get her to shut up. She's so a she really attacked horrible... a small boy because she thought that he had taken her cell phone. Yes. Oh my god! And she had actually left it in her Uber, and the Uber came and brought it back to the hotel later. Oh my gosh! So I I bring it up because of we yeah how smartphones are things we don't tend to think about too much. I think like, about mine a lot. Like oxygen. You're just totally disagreeing with me on everything today. <laughs> well, I mean, I have feelings. I know what you're I know what you're saying. I interrupted you. Go ahead. No, you're allowed to interrupt me. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I use my my cell phone constantly. I could get get around without it, but I wouldn't enjoy that process. Yeah. Yeah. It has a lot of I use it for a lot of things every day constantly. So my point with bringing it up is she her her actions were horrible and inexcusable. But there was a moment where it made me think, like, what would I do if I lost my cell phone in New York and I was traveling alone? That would be a major scary problem for me because suddenly I would have to rethink how I do a lot of stuff. And so, yeah, I mean, I have one number memorized. It's my mom's number (laughs) because it's the number I grew up with as a kid. That's the only number I've memorized. I guess I could go if the hotel had a a computer center and I could go on and like email people and you could always go to a library. Passwords. Yeah, you could go to a library, but a lot of my my passwords are saved automatically on my phone. I don't know what my passwords are to a fair amount of stuff. So, you know, like when is my flight? I don't know. The calendar's on my phone. <laughs> like, how do I check in? I don't know what my password is to check in online. You know, it becomes a really big issue. And so that's kind of the the basis I want to lay for today's conversation about smartphones because we we put a lot of our you know, we lean on smartphones a lot in the, everyday uh, life. The getting around part isn't something that concerns me. The security part is my biggest concern. So I'm less concerned about navigating and doing whatever it is Mm. and more concerned about if I can't find my phone, if I'm not confident that I can find my phone the next 30 minutes, I'm going to wipe it remotely Oh, so that nobody else can get into it because I keep everything on my phone. Right. Yeah. Definitely the security element. (laughs) You saying navigating, like I don't, I wouldn't know how to, if I had a car, I wouldn't know how to drive anywhere. <laughs> I don't have all the ad. I mean, all navigations on my phone. 
Um, and so the, the beauty of the, the smartphone becoming this all-encompassing organizer is the, the counterpoint to that is that we are in big trouble. <laughs> if something happens to that, if it gets hacked mm -hmm. or if we lose it. All right. Well, in line with our typical format for these, I'd like to talk a bit about the history of smartphones, maybe our history with smartphones, since we have lived through the entire history of smartphones. Do you remember you your first smartphone? I remember my first um, iPod Touch, okay. which I consider to be basically... Um, the cousin of the smartphone because it could connect through wi-fi to a data network yes yeah, so technically okay. i could call through it but we don't even use our smartphones for calling that much so in many ways i see it as sort of the the first smartphone because it was doing the majority of what we do on our phones smartphones today yeah but before that um i had a i had a palm pilot for a while. Did you ever have a Palm Pilot? I didn't have a Palm Pilot, but I had a Nokia version of a Palm Pilot. How was that? I loved it. What year are we talking here? Oh, 2005 or six. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it was pretty late, but before regular smartphones, before me getting a regular smartphone. What'd you think? I thought it was cool. There was, I was much more, so that was the period of time where I was really excited about technology because things hadn't converged yet into this one device to rule them all kind of thing. So I thought it was cool that I could surf the web and sit on a couch and have this tiny little window into the world. That was fun. And now I'm just like, I don't want a tablet. I don't want my laptop. My phone is too small. Like I'm never happy with all the things, but if I'm just carrying my phone around and that's all I have, it's perfect. This whole, yeah. I hate having all these devices now. So the phone is great. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is nice how it brought many devices into one. The Palm Pilot, if you're not familiar with it, was weird. And by today's standards, looked pretty clunky and cheap. It had a little stylus, right? Yeah, had a little stylus you could pull out of the top and it had a plastic cover to protect the screen. But that's all, I mean, that's all that the cover did. And so you'd like flip it back and there's a little area you could write in and you had to learn how to write the right words. So I remember because I remember you had to like write a, a J or there were like Tease, weird. you couldn't pick your pen up. Yeah. So T had to look almost like an upside down hockey stick. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember that. Yep. And so there's some weird things about that. It was mainly a calendar for me. I think I could also do maybe email on it. I don't really remember. You didn't use the stylus? Yeah, for the calendar and everything. To write, enter things on a calendar. Okay. And... <laughs> all well, the things to use the stylus for, that didn't strike me as the obvious one. Yeah, I don't... I think maybe writing notes. I don't okay. really remember. I remember that I would make events in the calendar, and then they'd be recurring events, and then something would go wrong, like there'd be a sync issue. And it wouldn't see them all as a recurring event. It would see them as individual events. So this isn't a sync like you didn't have a plumbing issue. You had to sync it with your computer. Right. Right. 
and back in the day there would be like so i'd have like a million copies of one event and if i wanted to delete it i had to go and delete each individual one because i had numerous syncing problems i remember those days oh, it's the worst it's one thing i'm very happy about with smartphones today is they're not quite that flaky it also had like an infrared transmitter on the top so you could beam a contact which i thought was super exciting but you, <laughs> you had to point them. it you had to point it at someone else's uh, someone else's um palm pilot and then you could like send a contact or a note that's but cool both people had to have palm pilots i have i have had for a long time a phone that has a stylus i still like the aesthetic of a stylus really mm-hmm Steve Jobs just hated, he hated keyboards and... He's not my favorite person either. (laughs) Mine either. (laughs) A stylus, I think, can be pretty seamlessly incorporated. Mm -hmm. And you have one now? Yeah. With your Android phone? Yeah. It's a Samsung Note. And I've I've had a Note for a very long time. Mm -hmm. All the different versions of the Note, except Mm -hmm. for the one that blew up. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get to that in a moment. (laughs) But basically, smartphones as we know them... I think I might have posted a video to our, um, our uh, in stuff in our in stuff video list, right. which you looks like you just remembered exists. Yeah, I don't link it because it's hard to direct people to the specific video that. Well, I guess it's not. I can deep link that. It's not even a deep link, is it? I don't even know what a deblink is. Right. <laughs> well, anyway. I've just been looking in the show notes directly to videos and not using the playlist. That's fine. But they came around basically like the mid-90s and then became a lot cheaper with like the Palm Pilot and and what was the one you had? It was a Nokia. Hmm, I don't remember the name. It was a Nokia tablet though. Mm-hmm. And then the BlackBerry and all that. Early two oh, thousands. So I think my my Palm Pilot. I remember work bought it for me, and which was a pretty big deal. They weren't too big into buying you things like that. Can you remember? I can't even. I forgot the Blackberries had a full keyboard yep. and the little pearls in there as their yep. little trackball thing. Yeah, I can't imagine half your phone being taken up by a, a keyboard anymore. Exactly, and that's what the iPhone did basically was say you only use this keypad part of the time and that that was pretty deadly for blackberry after a while i remember president obama was still like clinging desperately to his but wow i didn't realize that <laughs> most people were like forget this and so yeah and and so yeah and the the thing about the palm pilot was the screen was like black and green or something like that too i just want to be clear like it, it was lame you weren't watching videos or anything on this. It was. You didn't even get 256 colors? No, you got like two. Um, <laughs> so it was pretty terrible. But um, then I think it was 2000 and what year would that have been? 2009, I got a used iPod Touch because I was too broke to be an early adopter for much <laughs> of my life. And I remember getting in trouble because it appeared like I was on it all the time. And I remember saying, like, what you don't understand is this is like email. This is TV. This is calendar. This is weather. This is news. So that was kind of 
amazing as you were talking about all of the things that got wrapped in it's music you know get wrapped into one ends up with you spending a lot of time on it mm-hmm. do you remember your first official real smartphone yeah it was an iphone okay i had an iphone the first generation hmm. that's really a good question i was trying even to remember the year that i got it and it would take me a while to track that down it wasn't too long after they first came out mm. but i didn't get one right away yeah yeah i don't remember what my first one was but i sort of limped along with a, a regular sort of lame cell phone for a while mm-hmm. and an ipod touch and then i like upgraded to a little bit better ipod touch and then i'd lost it <laughs> in the walmart parking lot i think oh, no. <laughs> and then i was like forget it we're moving on to iphones <laughs> and once you're in you are toast you know well, there was a point where it became worth it to invest in a smartphone like it wasn't just the smartphone but when there became an ecosystem of developers and applications and a way to update them and kind of sync your data there was a lot more buy-in and it happened much more quickly mm-hmm. than had happened in the past because you know it wasn't obviously as utilitarian to everybody right Mm-hmm. So once everybody's like, hey, this is really useful and it's doing all the things that I needed to do, of course everybody was going to be, well, the majority of people were going <laughs> to opt into it. Mm-hmm. I get it. Yeah. And so with the evolution of the smartphone and kind of cell phones in general, I'm, I'd like to talk a bit about what effect that's had on society because we've been able to witness this as adults the changes and you it mean can... generation x yes <laughs> us as gen xers we are in an interesting position because as opposed to baby baby boomers who weren't as sort of required i would say to have smartphones like it was sort of an optional thing for them they were late in their career when smartphones came out and the millennials who basically like depending on how you define millennial grew up with them and don't really know a life before at least tablets and and, um, iPod touches we were a a little bit of a of an interesting generation in that we as adults got to witness this shift I mean I was teaching at the university when the first iPhone came out in mm-hmm. like 2006 or 7 whenever it was. Yeah, I was work I already was working for the university too. Right. And so what in your mind are some of the effects that the advent of the smartphone has had on technology, society? Oh my gosh. I know, big <laughs> subject. A big <laughs> Let's start with the good things first. Mm-hmm. So access to information is much more seamless. The barrier is much lower. Because you don't need to go find a computer? Because you don't need to find a computer. Also, you have access to a data network. So the information is there. There is a data network because there's so many people Mm -hmm. trying to access this information that there are companies investing in it. And democratization of um, news because people are able to post the thing that they are watching in the moment. Those to me are the really big things that are good. So, mostly. like a social media kind of communication element. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
even just having a phone though, without even sharing it in the moment, although that's, that is what I, I was talking about. You can still take a picture or take a video of something like, I don't know, walk it to whoever needs to see it. If you had to, you just can capture and record where people hadn't been able to do that in history before. Yeah. The, the element of the network being everywhere strikes me uh, as something I hadn't thought about because right now my internet is coming from cell towers. So they don't have to run a cable to my house. Unfortunately, I wish they would, <laughs> but they refuse to. It's like 50 feet to the West. Yeah. <laughs> my cat, cat thinking I'm going to pet her or something. <laughs> I'm just pointing. She's agreeing. She wants internet too. Yeah. She wants to watch the, the cat videos of the little mouse <laughs> running around on the screen, which I've, I will literally let my cat play with the iPad once in a while. I thought you were going to say Tiger King. No. <laughs> I did learn to lock it because at one point I came back after she was playing with it, and I think Amazon was open, and I couldn't figure out how she did it. But she was managing to tap the screen and switch apps. This <laughs> <laughs> just shows how easy they make it. But that access to the Internet is way more ubiquitous than it would be if we had, if we only had cable internet, although we had phone internet before, just not very, not very fast. Right. Um, dial up. Slow. So we did have that access, but the fact that you can sit in your car and be on the internet, you can, I can take my Wi-Fi with me if I really want to, mm -hmm. and it just connects to, to uh, cell towers. So that's one big impact. What else would you say is? You know, we talked about the singularity last time. This feels a little like a, not a full singularity. It's not a full but, singularity, uh, but we, I there's think There's a before and after smartphone period. People have had to learn to navigate their lives with fragmented attention too. <laughs> have you had to try and, have you had conversations with people who are clearly more interested in their phones? I've tried to. I don't know how successful they were. <laughs> I immediately... Like, that's a deal breaker for me. I knew a guy who just, like, could not get off his phone. Oh. And I just I just thought, he's such a moron. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. Like, it's just so unclassy. There's, yeah, so what? There is an etiquette. If you, if you need to do something in the moment where you have somebody in meet space with you, mm -hmm. I mean, they should take precedence. But if you need to, I don't know, take a phone call. Just like if you had to take a phone call, if you have to text somebody or do something else, you should excuse yourself, do the thing and come back. Right. And apologize. Yeah. Or, or even ask permission in some cases. Yeah. So there's been certainly a whole new era of etiquette around smartphones what other i know it's a huge topic i if you run out of stuff let me know <laughs> <laughs> well i mean there's a lot of downstream issues that have followed on after the advent of the smartphone mm -hmm. in so many different ways so we could talk about the social issues we could talk about the technological issues the political issues, you know, it's touched so many aspects of life. It's hard to even, I hadn't even think about trying to address them all in this conversation. But I think that I had listened, I had watched a recent video, you know, have you ever watched the abstract series on Netflix? I don't think so. 
the show is features an artist essentially um every episode and one of the people they interview and i apologize i don't remember his name off the top of my head was the developer of instagram Mm. and one of the other people on that team had essentially come up with or another team he was part of this interview process had developed the infinite scroll and it was interesting to see him in this interview so apologetic for having <laughs> innovated this infinite scroll. He, he was saying, you know, if he had known what it was going to do to people and productive time, he would have never wow. put it into the release code. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, that's an interesting thing to say publicly. <laughs> and by infinite scroll, you mean you keep scrolling up through pictures and posts yeah. and it never stops. It never stops. You never have a signal that indicates to you that you're done. Like you've seen <laughs> all the things that there are to see. You could just scroll forever and waste mm-hmm. all of your time. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so that impact, it impacts people individually, but on the scale of humanity and like product productivity, adult productivity, I think that definitely has had an impact on, on aspects of um, society. Definitely because there's something in us that, that we have a sort of, hunt and find and treasure hunt element to us, which I'm sure served us well in the past, looking for food or berries or, you know, whatever stuff that, that we're constantly like seeking, like if we look a little bit more, we might get another little reward of a picture or video or something that we want. Funnily enough, though, if you are out in the woods with your phone, you can identify the berries and the plants that are either edible or poisonous. So there's that access to information is amazing. Yeah, if you've got internet access. But yeah, I've talked about iNaturalist before. It's mm-hmm. an amazing thing you can do with your phone. And I, I, I'm, <clears throat> I'm kind of, I mean, I think people want to, they, they want to lump everything into screen time and they want to say like the iPhone and, and tablets, these are all terrible. And I, I sort of want to talk about like, there's amazing things that's happened. And I know we don't have time to go over every possible thing, but let's just sort of popcorn style things things that smartphones have done. You have two? There are two more that I want to add to this. Okay. And one is the ability to integrate um, services together. So for instance, you have a smartphone and it's doing all these things for you, but also you have a smart house. And so exactly. the phone is a place where those technologies all converge and it can be this assistant for you to set up and automate things or to do like low level tasks that you wouldn't necessarily want to do. More important than that though, is, um, the mobile devices ability now to help people as an assistive device, which I think is really great too. So thing, it can read things for you. It can translate things to, um, or, um, it can help just make information easier to get for people. In yeah, some cases. absolutely. I, I noticed with when I got the AirPods that it has sort of like a a hearing function where you can actually set your phone off. You know, like if you're at a table in a loud restaurant, you can actually move your phone over and listen more closely. That's great to people, which you know when you're we start to lose hearing, it's really hard to hear someone talking with background noise. And it gets very difficult. But yeah, and I, I mean, I don't want to get 
pulled off too much because there's also the peripheral stuff like smartphone, smartwatch. We could talk about how those those things play together. Um, You're absolutely right. Without a smartphone or some kind of tablet, my house couldn't be smart. They don't have support, which I wish a lot. I wish they did, but they don't for a regular laptop or computer. It's kind of maddening. You have to do it on your on your smartphone. Remote controls for stuff. The... He said the c word. <laughs> I don't know what it said back to me, but I might have to mute my smart house again. Anyway, um, remote controls for my drone, like the DJI Phantom, and a lot of drones require a smartphone, so you can see what you're filming. So you can control filming. It's basically useless if the phone doesn't work. My underwater drone is basically useless if the phone doesn't work that's how you control all the settings and see what you're filming do you imagine your aquaman when you when you get out the underwater drone do i what imagine your aquaman no okay i imagine why isn't it working where is a little pebble gotten stuck now (laughs) i get so angry driving that thing sometimes when it works it's pretty cool yeah um and so well certainly safety and that's not just with smartphones but but because smartphones are, are ubiquitous now that everyone from, you know, 10 up has one. The idea that you don't have to flag someone down if your car breaks down and, right. and you can quickly call. You can basically, for no added cost, have a conversation in a high-risk environment. If you're taking a Uber home late at night, you can call someone. <laughs> you can call an Uber. Yeah, we can, a, you can call an Uber, exactly. But you could also talk to someone while you're while you're on that and and yeah think about uber wouldn't exist without smartphones all these other industries that have popped up from it so there's safety and i i did <laughs> a few years ago i actually called the police department the non-emergency number and said you know can you find me if i call 911 can you tell where i am on my phone and i did and they said sort of um from what i understand it's within about a thousand feet so it's not great so are they triangulating you by cell phone tower? That's my assumption. Okay. Yeah. And not all, from the bit of research I did, not all phones support that. Okay. So if you have a landline, that tends to be a lot more accurate, a lot faster. When was the last time you had a landline? I guess it would have to be from work. Work was the last landline that I had, and I actually got rid of it to save the university money because it costs so much. Huh. <laughs> Some people, I guess the point is if you're in an emergency... I wouldn't prioritize a cell phone over a landline if you have either. Yeah. Police reform. Imagine, like, why did the George Floyd killing have the effect that it did? Because of cell phones and cell phone cam- smartphone cameras. Otherwise, the, the way that the Minneapolis police originally posted it was a man had a, a medical issue while being arrested and died people that are witnessing acts are are able to document their own proof of what's been happening right which leads to major real world changes and so just the this the cameras on smartphones has a tremendous impact on how we understand the world and witnessing these things um, from natural disasters to police interactions to all kinds of stuff as evidence too i mean the reason that we know what happened with that crazy woman in new york is because they filmed it they filmed this 
woman tackling a 14 year old boy over his phone, yeah. you know? And so it kind of reminds me of, of Rodney King, the first big police brutality recording. And that's because camcorders were affordable and more people had them at home. And the guy managed to, to film on his camcorder. And now that was sort of the beginning of how life changes when you can cheaply and easily record video. I had also read an article that was talking about how cell phone cameras and the advent of people being able to take selfies and then good selfies and then AR assisted selfies, how that's impacted self image, which I Mm. think hasn't always been as terrible as it is now. It's hard to take a picture now of yourself that isn't smoothed or corrected or augmented by some piece of software. Uh, which is really weird, but you know, <laughs> when you take a picture of yourself, if it's actually a picture of you and some phones are like, oh no, we don't do any smoothing. It, then they, they do. Mm. And I think that sets up unrealistic expectations, expectations, especially for young people. Yeah. That's been an interesting shift I've seen in my work career, teaching a media and culture class. When I started in 2005, it was all about Photoshopping magazine covers. And this is distorting women's image of what's normal or what beauty is, making it impossible because these women don't exist that you see on the cover of the magazine. They've been photoshopped to the point where they're unrecognizable. And I actually, I had a pretty interesting experience firsthand of seeing this. I was friends with someone who was a model for Gilly's um, bar in Las Vegas. And so she showed me this picture of herself on a billboard. And I was like, really don't think I would have recognized you. <laughs> Not that she, you know, isn't a really attractive woman, but I mean, they like went to town on on the photoshopping and stuff wow. to make her this sort of impossible impossibly beautiful woman up on a billboard. And it was, so it was very interesting to see that firsthand with someone I actually knew. Um, Along the lines, so certainly we've seen the element uh, where leading to police reform, but also police enforcement. I mean, one of the things that comes to mind for that is your, your cell phone is now pinging towers and basically leaving breadcrumbs about where you've been. Do you leave your location services on? Yeah. So why not? What do I care? Yeah. Well, Until you if I'm storming the Capitol, I should probably turn it off because that's one <laughs> of the things they're using to figure out who was around the Capitol at that time, right. you know? And so if you're up to no good, but most criminals aren't very smart, just like when I decided to see how fast the DeLorean could go in North Dakota and realized I still had my insurance GPS tracker <laughs> in it. So State Farm knew I went about I think I maxed out at 110. (laughs) They haven't raised my insurance though. It's still unbelievably cheap. Another reason, 170 bucks for six months, a hundred for six months. Are you doing a commercial? I'm just, I know I I just want people to understand that DeLorean is such a wonderful car. So anyway, the, so the police, while cell phones have, and smartphones have been used to expose Issues in policing, they also are a tool mm-hmm. that can help with policing as well. And then one thing I found really interesting, and you're allowed to interrupt because I'm just going to throw out a million things. I just won't stop talking until you interrupt me. But 
the advent of drones. Didn't it seem like drones kind of came out of nowhere? You you disagree with everything I say today. I just don't think they came out of nowhere. They've been around for a long time. But when they arrived on the scene, what, 10 years ago or so? Yeah. yeah. Didn't it seem like one day we didn't have drones and the next day we did? I, that, I don't have that as an impactful marker in my head. But that's, I mean, that's just me. Well, the point I wanted to make <laughs> that you're undermining is that the advent of drones was based on the miniaturization of technology that came with smartphones. So to have drones, we have to have, we had to have smartphones first because everybody was buying them. And so the price for these little accelerometers and all the things in your phone that tell you when you're tilting it and moving it and all that sort of stuff, all of that went into drones and that's why for the first time ever, you could, <laughs> besides maybe a kite, you could fly this thing up there and literally set the remote control down and have it stay exactly where it was because it was using GPS and all the sensors inside to tell where it was and if it was moving. Mm-hmm. And so that's a sort of um, peripheral impact of smartphones. I think is really cool. It is really cool. And it shows that nothing happens in a vacuum. You know, and innovation in one area can spill over into other areas and create other other cool things. When smartphones phones were coming up, like before the iPhone got to be the device that it is and before it kind of created this competitive market for this all-inclusive buttonless brick, essentially, there mm-hmm. was a company, and I can't remember the name, but they were planning this modular smart device which was more like a plug and play where you had the base device, which had the connectivity, but you could plug in a phone or you could plug in all these other things to make it do different things. So I think it's an interesting approach to this device that can do so many things, but it's a comical thought now mm-hmm. that you'd need to carry around all of these add-ons for your device to do the things you want it to do. Reminds me, I think it was the Atari Jaguar that had, like a weird CD-ROM thing you could stick onto it. I, you know what I've always thought? And this this reminds me. We have this incredible engine in our cars that we only use that engine to drive places. What if, like, why do I have to have all of these different engines around my house? Why couldn't I also tap into my car's engine to be a lawnmower and a weed whacker? And... Clearly, you've never watched YouTube long enough to see people turning <laughs> wooden bowls on, on the wheels of their cars in Russia. I haven't. Right. But see, like, why, you know, we should have one motor for everything. Why do we have to buy different motors for all this stuff? You want to plug and play. You want a plug-and-play vehicle? That's an interesting idea. That the abstract show that I was watching, there's also uh, a toy designer that they feature, and she mm. had developed this toy where she it was like a it was a modular. What what would I can? It was like a Mr. Potato Head, except it was like this thing that could be like a rocking horse or a go kart, and you just like would take the rockers off and put wheels on, or like yeah. take this part off and put this part on, and mm-hmm. it never went anywhere because the toy companies were like, this doesn't fit into any of our categories. But yep. it was brilliant because it didn't tell you what you needed to do with the thing. Mm-hmm. It was up to you to decide what to do with the thing. But I think cars are like that too. I think the the barrier for entry to that kind of knowledge is really high. 
it's just really dumb that I have a, <laughs> a motor in my snowblower, a motor in my lawnmower, a motor in my weed whacker, uh, you know, like. Imagine if you could drive your car down your driveway and it was your snowblower. Yeah. It would take like two passes. Why not? It's just <laughs> turning. Be scooping up small children and dogs too. <laughs> well, it shouldn't be there. Oh, I don't own any small children or dogs. Get off my lawn. <laughs> What is today is the most interesting thing? Is there anything else that you've seen the impacts of smartphones? Oh, I mean, so there's I'm no. I'm sure end. we're forgetting. And it's um yeah, but I think the the biggest impacts when it comes to well, yeah, like health. I mean, I'm studying Spanish on my on my smartphone, More but I could do it on my computer. Losing money, making money. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but in terms of the major like shot to the gut of society, I I think the the ability to record videos has been tremendous for documenting things that are happening that people otherwise wouldn't get press or wouldn't believe because, you know, anyway. From the documentarian. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> so certainly smartphones have had a tremendous impact on all sorts of things. We just want, I just want to kind of cover some of the high points. And if anybody out there is like, you forgot about this, let us know. Just being able to connect to the cloud, the advent of the cloud, and then allowing your smart device to connect to that. Mm -hmm. I remember when it did take this, it was this really circuitous procedure to sync your Palm Pilot and yeah. make sure there was a copy on your computer and make sure there was a backup copy somewhere else. There's so many copies of copies. And now everything's up in the cloud and you can sync your phone. And if you get a new phone, you don't need to back up from a hard copy. You just make the copy from what's online. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the things that gives you a little more sense of um, security when you do lose your phone, because there's not everything on it. If you're syncing it like you should But even if you're not, a lot of these things are automatically syncing with your various accounts. Do you think that your cell phone has brought you to the ability to become more focused and given you the ability to find like a center and relax too? Like it's done so many things to make us productive, but mm -hmm. has it also done the opposite for us? Can we relax and kind of take a step back? What I would say probably one of the things I'm a little concerned about is I constantly need music now. And before that, you know, it's just made it easier. I, if I just have to have headphones and listening to music pretty much all the time. I've gotten really addicted to that. If you didn't have like an eye and a touch or a, a smartphone, would you just be plugged into like your record player then? Well, before it would have been like my CD player but that's not a lot of fun to walk around with and the batteries die, would die fast. But <laughs> I used Walkman. to, yeah, ugh. I used to have a, in college, I had a cassette player I would listen to a lot. And then it was a CD player and I would probably just have music on in the house, which is fine. But other than that, I, the smartphone is a, and it's sort of down the lines of what we're talking with the singularity. It's something that augments my abilities and makes me better than I would be. It's like me in collaboration with technology, creating a, a better version. I mean, every day I study Spanish on that thing <laughs> and it, I can speak to it and it can tell my pronunciation and, 
and obviously I can hear it say it. So it's compared to like a book or something. It's just way more. And it has various different ways. It makes me type, but it also can make me select words and drag them in. So it it's unbelievable what smartphones can do in terms of education and and certainly entertainment for I, free ish i had gone somewhere before covid i don't even remember anymore mm-hmm. but i had also rented a car so at the airport i went to pick up this car and i jumped inside and i was ready to drive mm-hmm. to go to a place <laughs> what directions but when i turned my vehicle on i realized the last person that was in the car before me had changed the the interface to spanish and I couldn't turn it back to English because I couldn't read enough Spanish <laughs> to switch the, wow. the interface settings. And so uh-huh. I, w- I was able to pull my phone out and just to turn translate on and just hold my camera up to the interface. And it did enough translation that I could figure out like how to get back to the settings and turn <laughs> English back on. It totally saved my that's, life. That's a good point. So anyway, that's part of Google Translate, I assume, is what you were using yeah. for that. Yeah. When I first saw how it can reconfigure text on screen in the same font basically <laughs> that was nuts uh and I, I saw that with google glass too can can do a similar thing that's like cool. that which is pretty wild yeah um so that's that's another super cool thing you can do with smartphones these days um i just ask my phone questions sometimes which is really small and unimpressive thing these days but Mm -hmm. it's nice to just ask a question to an empty room and get an answer right i i have the airpods so it's sort of an extension of the phone and so i'll talk to it through that sometimes and what i find really funny is um siri and sweetie it can't tell the difference oh so because because i'm you know as i said a <laughs> I struggle with toxic masculinity. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Often because this is such a not toxic masculine <laughs> anecdote. I'll be walking around the house and my cat will come over and I'll be like, "Hey, sweetie," <laughs> and then Siri will be like, "Hello." Oh gosh. <laughs> like Siri. not talking to you. How often do you talk to Siri versus Alexa? Because you have an Alexa house. I talk to Siri when I need to make phone calls or I want to skip music or something that's directly on the phone okay. otherwise i talk to the house all the time she was probably like finally he's talking <laughs> right i know um some other cool things i've done with phones augmented reality is super cool through phones we've talked about that about that a bit already 3d scanning is fun but i tried it a few years ago pretty sketchy but you could basically 3d scan an object and then project it back in augmented reality yeah i wish that my facial expressions did translate yeah the 3d scanning technology still i'm frustrated with because when they scan they're so infinitely complex there's Mm. only there's such a limited amount you can do with objects that you scan Mm -hmm. without an investment of time into whatever you're trying to model yeah and i find that frustrating They've got a ways to go, but maybe when we talk about future, we talk about the future of, of smartphones, the ability to do an accurate 3D scan of something with your phone would be super awesome, yeah. especially if you could then 3D print it or something of that nature. This phone has a 3D scanning function. 
Yeah. But it's crap. Yeah. Yeah. It's just pretty, pretty rough. And the ones that actually do it well, you know, they're static. They're the, the object might be rotating, but the camera is in a constant, excuse me, steady place. And you were, I think they use like lasers now. Yeah. Too. You were scanning in a less than pristine environment that had mm-hmm. some like background that accidentally got picked up. Like, yeah. Oh gosh. It's pretty rough. I've used it as a speedometer because the DeLorean only goes to 85. Okay. So that was a little <laughs> bit, those back to the future fans. The ironic thing is the original DeLorean, you don't know if you're going 88 miles per hour or not. So you just accidentally travel through time. Maybe you just never do. <laughs> you can get a like aftermarket speedo that will go higher than that. But when I was having some fun with the DeLorean, I had to use my smartphone hmm. speedometer to figure out when I was actually going Magic 88. And I really thought something was going to happen, but it didn't. <sighs> so sorry. Yeah, I didn't have... Um, I had the flux capacitor going, but I didn't have the plutonium. I, have you tried using them as a tape measure? I've toyed with this a little bit where you can like point the camera and it claims it'll be able to tell you how far away an object is. I've tried that, but I don't trust it. Mm, so mm-hmm, I end up right. not using it really. Right. And now deep fakes on smartphones are just a game. I turned myself into the little girl from miracle on 34th street much to my daughter's horror because she loves that movie and then to see the little girl with like my face and a goatee was traumatizing that is oh my god i'll show it to you later that's terrifying (laughs) why would you do that to your child it's fun (laughs) but the ability to do deep fakes is of serious concern and now you can do it on your phone for free if you watch a commercial and so what we're talking about with deep fakes is basically making a fake video that is very hard to distinguish from reality. And it used to take some serious video 3D editing skills, mm-hmm. design skills, and now a lot of that's that's automated. I remember when like Video Toaster first came out, and they're like, you could morph this person into something that kind of looks different. <laughs> yeah. And that was like, you can morph this person into a totally different person oh, on your phone. Man. I never get to talk to anyone about Video Toaster. <laughs> We'll have to have a whole episode just on Video Toaster. Oh, man. Nobody knows about that. You want a thermal camera for yours. So one of the other things that's neat about smartphones is the accessories. Mm -hmm. And so that's something I haven't played with myself because I haven't felt like it was worth it because they're still expensive. So addictive. But it seems like in winter up here in Alaska. So thermal camera, basically, it's like a $200, $250 accessory you plug into the to the phone and then it will project the heat reflection or refraction or whatever it is around your house sort of like those weird spy type shows where you like see a silhouette of a person in the woods so you can see where you've got cold air coming in and and whatnot i think it's yeah i think that this is just my perspective i like being able to see where there's heat loss but i also like to see where things are getting too hot too oh right yeah it's just an interesting way to view the world that provides a lot more insight than we have with regular vision that's a good point yeah yeah one did you hear the news story this is the last thing i want to talk about with contemporary phone issues and what they're capable of before we move on to the future did you hear the story about how kids using smartphones too much is 
making them grow horns. <laughs> I have heard that. <laughs> I don't necessarily believe that. Well, that would be good then. But this is a story that came out a couple years ago. Again, I put a link on the on the watch list, but we can make sure it gets in the right place. But I actually reported it because I was working for news radio at the time. And and it's a story that I think took off. Stories that are crazy, but we want to believe them are dangerous. I don't want to believe that, though. Don't you? You see all these kids, you know, sitting at restaurants, you know, hunched over their their smartphones, not interacting or, or sitting on benches, looking at their phones, walking, looking at their phones. Doesn't part of you want to be like, I hope you grow horns from that. More plausible and actually um, <laughs> terrifying is, I think, the threat of like getting a neck hump from looking down. <laughs> it's like neck hump. You need some good posture. Also, your vision is going to be impacted if you don't have a dynamic range that you're constantly like refocusing in. Right. That that it will seems like it will affect your your sight too. Well, I bring it up because it is basically kind of debunked. The problem was it got picked up by some major news sources. I think BBC and some others may have picked it up, and it got published in a journal that was produced by the same agency that does Nature, which is incredibly highly respected. But the science on it was a bit sketchy, and they were making some – they weren't disclosing some information – and the horns that they want you to think is really like a basically tiny nub at the base of your skull where it connects to the spine that has basically been around forever before smartphones are ever around. You're just getting aggravated trying to balance against the weight of the skull. I, I don't, but it's more of, yeah, it's more of like a, I don't know what you We're call both it. feeling the back of our head. Yeah. It's sort of like, like the, <laughs> from what I saw online, like, Maybe a, a large mole or something like that. Holy moly. You know. Uh-uh. <laughs> it's not a horn. <laughs> and there's no proof that it really, that it has anything to do with smartphones. Is it a horn if it's behind you? Isn't it that doesn't that make it a spike or a spur then? Probably. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that's that's one that when I when what was interesting is when I looked it up because I, I reported it and well, I read the the report on it. And then a while later I heard it debunked but if you look it up on youtube does you know kids growing horns smartphones it's like the second result was the debunked video and then everything else is news agencies reporting that it causes Jeez. horns <laughs> more likelihood that somebody's going to have something artificial implanted that looks like a horn right to to sum up the smartphones of today i think my main concern is how this is going to impact social interaction and social development in kids before the smartphone i had this just unforgettable experience with one of it was one of my kids no sorry i'll get this straight it was i thought he was like a second cousin but i think he was actually my cousin now that's I have to do, <laughs> since we're talking a, a, quite a ways back, like probably at least 20 years back. And he, he came to um, our family's cottage, which is on a lake. And I love kids. And so I was like, I'm going to play with this kid. You know, it's 
boy, maybe six or seven years old. And so we're playing outside and the only, the, like the only way he could play was in terms of video games. Oh, interesting. So he'd say like, here, let's get a one up. Like here's 50 points if we, if we do this. And so his entire imagination was framed in the rules that come with a, a video game. Hmm. And that was bizarre to me. I'd never seen anything like that. And I never forgot it, clearly. And so it was a clue to me that this kid just plays video games constantly. And as much as I played video games, I mean, they were lamer back in like the 80s and 90s. But I don't remember ever framing real world play around video games quite like that. No. Have you ever watched Scott Pilgrim, the movie? No. That's it that's what your your anecdote reminds me of. Mm-hmm. It's like very young adults. Mm-hmm. They all have these sort of dynamics that play out in the construct of a video game. And that is a very entertaining movie. Mm. It it is bizarre to see, I think. It would be bizarre in real life to see. Yeah. So one thing I want to be careful about is just because something's different doesn't mean it's the end of the world. So, okay, this kid, he's still playing. He's capable of play. It's just all framed in the in the context of how a video game would be structured. I don't know if that's a bad thing, but it creeped me out. <laughs> kids spending all their time on smartphones today, I don't know if it's a bad thing. It kind of creeps me out. But based on the fact that I spend a lot of my, I mean, I spend probably two hours on my smartphone every morning, but I'm reading the news or or watching the news on YouTube and studying Spanish and checking international news on the BBC. This is, this thing doesn't just do, <laughs> I mean, I know it's like Captain Obvious, but, you know, just because somebody's staring at a smartphone doesn't mean they're playing Bejeweled, you know? They're, they're, it's a tool that you can do really incredible things with to make you a better person or you can blow time on. So, so yeah. still important to have conversations with your young people, about mm-hmm. how important it is to be conscientious when you're in the company of people to treat them um, appropriately. Yeah, I, I think my main concern with kids and smartphones today is are our parents teaching their kids good social etiquette because if if you if your son or daughter comes to me for a job and they can't put down their phone or there's we're in some I mean I've heard of this and you know like people when they're when they're going in for you know like legal issues can't put their phones down yeah. you know your your kid is going to pay for that if your kid can't interact socially that's a big problem and also i think boredom has gotten a bad rap and boredom if is when your best ideas come to you that's why people keep a notepad by their bed because it's the one time in the day their brain isn't doing anything Unless they're watching TV until they fall asleep, you know. I wish I could be bored. When was the last time you were bored? Well, here's how I define bored. I 
and I'm, I might be stretching the definition a little bit, but I mean, I am not actively being entertained or, or doing something that's consuming my mind. You're avoiding the question. So the last time I was bored was this morning when I went for a jog. Okay. Did because I'm jogging does not require a lot of mental processing. So I use that time to think and I've had a, a lot of great ideas for stuff just going on a walk. And if you, if you never put down the phone, if you're constantly entertained, you're basically reducing your ability to have great ideas that could change your life. I agree. And I mean, just like looking at the world I've made for myself, how much of this came to me because I quieted down and, you know, just let my brain process some things rather than and I think I've mentioned this before. This this came from when I bought this used iPod Touch from my friend. He said, you'll never be bored again. <laughs> Such a curse. And that scared me. Yep. And that's what I'm scared about with kids today, that kids will never be bored again. So what, what are they going to make? How are they going to produce instead of consume if they have never thought about producing? That's my concern. I could be wrong. <laughs> what would you want in a future phone? Let's jump ahead 20, 30 years. What do you want that phone to look like? I want to have to stop being required to remember it. Mm -hmm. I would like the functionality of my smart device to be something that doesn't have a physical instance I have to con continuously stash somewhere in a giant pocket or mm -hmm. in a giant pocket or in another giant pocket. Right. <laughs> so what would that mean? Either something that is on my person, I don't want to say permanently, but can be carried on my person unobtrusively or something that's projectable mm -hmm. yep. in an effective way. So Or augmented reality. I know you're a big fan of the AR contacts. Yeah. I mean, if glasses and even more wonderfully, if they were contacts, that'd be great. Would you wear glasses just for the AR, even if you didn't need glasses? Coming into an age where I realize I'm going to have to wear glasses soon, more than likely. Yeah. But skip yeah. that. Let's say your eyes are perfect. You got 2020. You don't need glasses. Would you wear glasses? Because this is some something that I, I see a lot of predictions. The future of smartphones, is there going to be glasses? And I wonder, would people wear them if they didn't have to? I would. You would? All right. People wear sunglasses. Well, it serves a purpose of blocking out the sun. I don't necessarily. So, yes, it, it blocks out the sun, but also it blocks out the sun. Like, that's that's a double-edged sword. Like, well, the sun cool. signals yeah. your body to, to create, like, vitamin D. Hmm. And... Also, it protects your eyes from ultraviolet radiation. So, yeah. Yeah. Good and bad. Yeah. But wearing glasses in Fairbanks in the winter, the nightmare. Because your glasses freeze up and you oh, can't see anything. Yeah. Well, you could just have those little, what are those little blind glasses? I mean, they have snow goggles, but. You there's... mean the Eskimo snow goggles? So the Eskimo, no, well, whatever. The, mm -hmm. the snow goggles that have the single slit, horizontal mm -hmm. slit, that would be the original mm -hmm. innovation. Yeah. But they remind me of those 1980s 
vertical blinds oh. <laughs> or horizontal blind really, glasses. Yeah, those really narrow ones. Yeah. yeah. All right. Those are pretty cool. <laughs> I agree. I don't want to carry it around anymore. I would love the perfect solution for me would be augmented reality glasses that are, are really effective and make things. If I could just have a floating screen, that would be super cool. Yeah. Especially if it didn't move with the glasses. So if there was some kind of tracking so that I could place it somewhere and move my head and not feel like it's constantly blocking everything. That would be awesome. I mean, you know, some of the f future things they're predicting is like holograms. There's no, physically, there's no really awesome way to make a hologram. You you need like glass and other things so it gets very complicated, so. It requires a lot of power. Yeah, yeah. So I don't I don't see that we're gonna have you know the Star Wars, Obi Wan, you're my only hope, sort of hologram <laughs> happening anytime soon. It's just not very practical. But I could see augmented reality glasses being a, a pretty big thing, and I would love that because right now, like I said, I watch a lot of YouTube videos. And I can like put my phone somewhere and it falls over and whatever. And if I could just have a projection of that screen that I could kind of place, that'd be amazing. To just have it floating there would be really cool. Although the issues for driving would be interesting. There'd have to be some safety features for that. Fundamentally, just something, <laughs> I have the worst problem right now. If I walk outside while listening to music, it triggers the smart cameras, trigger an alert to tell me there's motion, which disconnects my music and stops it. And so when I hit to play it, when I go to play it again, it plays on my phone and I have to reconnect it to my um, earbuds every single time. That's awful. And same thing if I trigger my jogging, you know, on the Apple Watch fitness thing, it disconnects my headphones. I wouldn't just stuff to freaking work. I think you just need to switch to Android. I don't, I don't have this issue. I have yeah. these little Samsung beans. Yeah. And they connect. And when I, I take them out, they disconnect. And everything works great. I never had this issue, I don't think, with just regular Bluetooth headphones. Something about super fancy earbuds. And I've I tried some of the suggestions. It doesn't work. So I just want stuff. I would love, in the future, a smartphone that just works the way it's supposed to. Again, maybe you should consider moving away from an iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get a Android when you get a DeLorean. We'll can, we'll just work on each other. I'm one person. I only need one vehicle. <laughs> Better cameras. That's what they're always doing to move on to the next. I'm trying to keep things moving along here. I know. And so <laughs> we just keep seeing that. And eventually we're going to get just cameras that are good enough. Who cares? Like once I can f take a picture of the Aurora, the way it actually looks, that's good enough for me. You know, I remember when Canon was releasing their DSLRs that were like 12 megapixel, and it was like, ooh, 12 <laughs> megapixel. And now, like, right. the front-facing camera on my on my phone is just as good. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see better phones with better contrast ratios. What I really want to see that I'm kind of irritated that nobody seems to be doing yet is 3D pictures. The phone is in a pretty good position to do it. Because to, to create an, an effective 3D picture, you need two cameras that are eyes width apart. You mean like a stereoscopic image? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so the phone easily could do that if they just moved one of the... I mean, a number of them have multiple cameras on the front of them already. If they moved one, you know, they were four side inches by side. over, yeah, mm -hmm. 
you could start taking 3D pictures, which would just... I know they can, like, fake them now. Like, Facebook has... Wouldn't they have to be the same camera? Like, two of the same camera? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think I have two of the same camera on my phone. Well... I think I have four or five different Something that I want to see happen... The other problem is that they need to converge. If, if the two cameras aren't looking at the same point in the distance, it doesn't work. And it's really irritating to look at 3D that's like that. That's an interesting thought, though. But, yeah. And even, if, I mean, ideally, if they could tweak a little bit, that would be awesome. But worst case, if they could at least be fixed on a 3D object, you know, six, seven, eight feet away. The thing that gets me about that smartphones cool. is that we have these, like, if... If I were all the way back here, mm-hmm. with holding up my phone and you held up your phone, it's actually really difficult to to tell what kind of phone you have or I have anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. The interface kind of gives it away the actual user interface, mm-hmm. but there are these glass bricks that all kind of look very similar now. Mm-hmm. How much different could they possibly look? People spend a lot of time talking about the notch that's oh, under yeah. the screen. And that, because that's the only thing that you could talk about. Yeah, tell me more about that. There's Which... nothing else on the front of the screen. <laughs> there are no more buttons. Right. The notch is just that little area where the sensors and the cameras and all of that exist. And oh. some of them have a big notch. They did more so mm-hmm. years ago than they do now. And you know, some of them are smaller. Mm-hmm. It's not anything special. To, it's not anything interesting to talk about. But it's mm-hmm. the only thing left to talk about because there's nothing else that distinguishes the actual hardware anymore. Right. Like how shiny is the glass, the front glass and the back glass and how big is the notch? Yeah. Jeez. It does make me feel like the smartphone industry all raced to the same spot. They sort of found like this is the ideal of what's practical now. And I kind of feel like they don't know where to go from here. You know, and everything that is a divergent from that, people are super critical of, like the folding mm-hmm. phones. Yep. So they have the folding clamshell, and they mm-hmm. have the Samsung Fold, and they have um, Xiaomi has this phone that has a rollable display that mm-hmm. kind of can expand and get wider and then get smaller again. But nobody, like, they're not out really for public consumption. And mm-hmm. the people that have his folding phones are like, don't the seam isn't really a big deal but you can definitely feel it mm-hmm. there's always a but and it, it also comes at the cost of extra thickness you mm-hmm. know i suppose technology will eventually allow them to, to to have a folded phone that's not much thicker than today's regular phone but yeah and then you got to unfold the other the thing about folded phones to me is yeah that's 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 fine if you can pull it out and use it but when you when you see how people use phones a lot of time they just pull it out put it back you know and and people are so lazy they're not going to pull it out open it up and then put it i just don't see that happening i actually miss having the form factor of like the early iphones Mm. i liked them being that small Mm -hmm. not enough to buy one again because i know you can still buy them oh really but i like that they they could fit in so many different places like Mm. now phones are huge yeah, and there's been talk about how that's disadvan- disadvantageous to women who tend to have smaller hands. And as phones get bigger and bigger, women can't reach as well. And I struggle with mine. Even today, I, with mine I was too. trying to get to the upper left-hand corner with my right hand, and I was like, ah, isn't there some way? I mean, they have some feature you can like bring down the top of the screen, but I can never remember the which way to swipe for that. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's interesting. We've kind of seen... I feel like we've kind of filled out a bit of the envelope of 
the edges of what people will want for in terms of like performance or scale envelope. Like we've seen giant phones and people are like, no, we don't, we don't want phones any bigger than that. <laughs> so, um, what, like what gets you excited about a new smart, new smartphone anymore? Not having the hardware. That's really what I want. Like, I don't want to have to worry about cracking my screen, mm -hmm. carrying around this big giant brick made of glass and right. treating it like this precious object and i forget yours is a samsung this is a samsung yeah. are you like super pumped if if something comes across your feed that says samsung announces its latest phone no i don't even look i don't no. care what iphone has well, the thing is, <laughs> anymore like this phone is powerful enough to be a computer mm -hmm. like, i don't own a personal computer anymore i have a work laptop and everything else that i need to do i can do on this phone Mm -hmm. And I appreciate that it has that kind of power, but I'm not going to buy one every single year or every single time one comes out because they're as expensive as a computer. Right. And it's just not, the advances aren't worth it. No. I no. was excited about face recognition has been cool, that I don't have to enter a code. So I use face recognition. You trust for, that? Yeah. Wow. Like someone could tie you up and just be like, and they can also put a gun in your head and say enter your code. That's true. Well, you triggered the house again. How did I hear that? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it is interesting, <laughs> you know, like people are incapacitated. Well, that's, see, that's my counterpoint is what if I'm in the hospital and people want to know like how to reach people, my family, they can put the phone up to my face. And in theory, I haven't tried how well it works when I'm comatose the last time i was in a hospital it was expected and i just told the person who was driving for me i was like this is my passcode if something happens this is how to get in my phone wow well what else do you do yeah i don't remember i didn't do that i i would like future phones to count as id right now it counts as credit card boarding pass but why can't it be a legal ID for me so I don't have to worry and check for my driver's license a million times over or check for my passport a million times over when I'm traveling? You know, why why can't the phone do that too? Right. And that's what I'd like to that's what I'd like to see a future phone incorporate even more. Of course, certainly that gets dangerous with identity stealing too. And deep fakes. And deep fakes, potentially as well. And then I, I I want my phone, and this is doesn't seem too unreasonable. I don't know why it doesn't totally exist right now, but just to because I'm big into home automation. If I'm going to carry it around, I want it to talk to my house and tell me I'm not in the room. Turn the lights off. Right now, I have to do that all with motion activating stuff, and that's kind of irritating. There's a little bit of a delay, so. There's some silliness still. Like we were sitting here just now and my phone, cause I stopped moving. My phone asked me, are you charging? Like you can do all these things. I was like, do you not know when you're getting a charge? Like, why are you asking me this <laughs> yeah, question? That's true. There's definitely some like forehead slapping things about <laughs> smartphones to this day. Every time I get a text, Siri reminds me that if I need to reply, I can just say reply. Oh, I'm like Siri. I got it like the first 50 times. <laughs> Why do you have to say that every single time? But it is pretty funny when Siri like reads off emoticons. Mm -hmm. It'll be like smiley face, laughy face, Google poop, Assistant poop emoji. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Other than other than that, I I think I think the thing that the future will have that we don't see now is 
augmented reality into smartphone. And I, I do hope these little bricks go away. Yeah, because they can't really evolve into much else the way that they are now. I don't, I don't really know how. If they got thinner too, we just sit on them and crack them all the time. Well, and that's a nice thing. Nice and, and potentially slightly irritating thing about augmented reality is like the only time I get a new phone is when I crack the glass. <laughs> so the last time I cracked a phone, I was like, yay, I got a new phone. <laughs> <laughs> and if I... If I can't crack the glass, how do I know when it's time to buy a new phone? It's <laughs> a valid question. Yeah, something to think about. Anything else about smartphones that Wow. I mean, what one the sorry, one more thing that comes to mind for me <laughs> in teaching video production is people don't have to have expensive video cameras anymore. I I literally like in this last year taught a class where I said, just if you got a smartphone, you can shoot and edit. And they, they've got a fair amount of, one of the main things is audio accessories. Mm -hmm. Smartphones aren't great at audio, but there's plenty of accessories out there that can do it. Do you have people edit on their phones too, or do you have them export and just edit somewhere else? I don't ask. They, I just have them, I don't teach editing in hmm. my videos. I mean, I, I teach, I teach an editor, but I doubt that students are using it and i teach editing technique like here's how to edit a good video but i don't teach them how to literally how to edit in uh any other application than gotcha um final cut pro so yeah so that's that's pretty cool and in the world of film makes for a lot more options and makes it a lot cheaper for people to tell stories in video and pictures yeah we could be recording this podcast on our smartphones Yes, and I, I have recorded narration before. <laughs> the reason I don't is I can't connect as high quality of a mic. Right. But other than that, yeah. Anything else about smartphones? So many things. But no, I mean, I, I feel like we've covered the basics. Mm -hmm. The thing, the one thing that makes me want to just ditch it is how expensive it is. They're expensive, but they uh, do do a lot of things. Yeah, and I've got mine bundled with internet and i'm paying for several accounts but i pay 265 a month ouch for internet and cell phone right now for yeah um and that seems ridiculous to me it really does um i would very interested to see what it will cost when it's just me <laughs> <laughs> how much do you pay May I ask? That's a good question. I it made a commentary know. on your. I think it's 125, but I'm bundled with my home internet too. Okay, yeah. So that's for internet and phone service. And those are expenses that people didn't used to have, you know. Well, they would pay for their phone bill, their landline bill, which was a lot cheaper. And they would pay for their cable bill. Not my family. Well, I guess that's, <laughs> that's artificial, isn't it? Because. Well, you don't yeah. really have cable, but yeah. the smartphone is, internet has replaced cable for most people. It has, and I don't have access to cable internet, so that's, not mm -hmm. everybody has that. Yeah. Well, anything blow your mind in the last week? <sighs> While we've been talking, I've been trying to think of the thing that blew my mind. And... I thought you felt distant. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> attention. I haven't had anything earth shattering really come across 
my newsfeed or anything. You know, there's been interesting things. The only there's so the one single thing and I'm have I have to link to it because I can't sufficiently explain it. I tried to read the paper and quickly felt out of my depth. <laughs> but there are some physicists who essentially what they're talking about is they're making a case that our universe can learn. And their evidence for that is <laughs> the evidence is that you have to be able to learn to have things in develop like physicists, essentially. Creepy. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, when you say that, I'm like, well, yeah, actually, because we're learning right now and we're part of the universe. Sometimes we forget. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I was reading it like the first few mm -hmm. paragraphs. I was like, yeah, that's I mean, that, like my head felt like it was breaking and then it really broke. And I was like, I'm, I can't explain this anymore. Mm. <laughs> so I'm going to link to it. But the premise is that the universe, our universe essentially has to be able, is a learning thing. Hmm. That's interesting. I, I mean, it would be shocking if you could show me learning in inanimate objects. I understand anything biological will learn and evolve and, and evolve. Evolution might resemble learning in a mm -hmm. way. It's not, exactly the same thing part of what was blowing my mind was how do i define learning like there mm -hmm. my understanding my knee-jerk reaction how i view learning is that there's a sentience behind it mm -hmm. but is that indeed what learning is yeah that's a good that's a good point we could spend hours on that alone mm-hmm It'd be boring as hell, but it would be fun for us. <laughs> what did you, what blew your mind this week? Well, first of all, what I learned, I learned from my smartphone because I like to watch YouTube on my smartphone, not just for cat videos, though occasionally <laughs> there's a good one. But what blew me away was learning about how the government pays hackers for information on glitches in software and doesn't tell the companies so it can have its own back door if necessary for doing, I guess, criminal investigations and surveillance of people. And based on the video, which I, I, I linked to the playlist, the InStuff playlist, the part of the problem is when the US government is not the highest bidder for these hackers and other people are, are bidding more and therefore getting getting information on back doors that our government doesn't have and the companies themselves don't have and so what was what blew me away was the idea that the government is paying for this information and not telling the companies and keeping it for just as a little secret key so it can get in if it needs to have a look at what somebody's doing <laughs> so that that kind of blew me away have you are you familiar with that it looks like you knew that already. I'm unsurprised, but I was trying to think why I'm unsurprised. I think it's because I've watched too many movies where that's the premise. <laughs> yeah. Well, from what I understand, you know, truth is as strange as fiction sometimes. Right. <laughs> and yeah, I just thought our government would be playing like hand in hand. <laughs> I also don't believe that. You don't believe that? The government wouldn't play hand in hand? I don't think that governments in general are wholly transparent to the populations. Well, that I agree with 100%. All right. Well, 
Uh, let's see. Next time is my choice. What are we doing? Is it? Yeah. I, I was legitimately asking because I've accidentally... Um, you where we are. <laughs> I've accidentally forgotten whose choice it was, and I stole yours that one time. <laughs> it's your turn. Okay. Surprise. Well, so again, we have a pool of subjects that we're we're looking at, and I'm trying to see what uh, what we haven't talked about yet. And oh man, I want to talk about life logging. Okay. Because it has a lot of interesting implications and issues that come up with it. And I had the opportunity to try it for, I don't remember how long, maybe a year or so. It was like and last I, year. Every time I, I would see you had a camera you were wearing. I got known for it. Yeah, people <laughs> like, where's the camera? And so, yeah, let's talk about life logging next time. And life logging, just as a little um, preview... I mean, there's, it's basically taking pictures or video of, of your life on a, on a regular timeline. So it's not just the, the pictures you snap once in a while, but it's sort of like having a, a security camera on all the time, creating a picture diary. In my case, it was a picture diary of my life. Yeah. So if I'm a compulsive blogger, that doesn't count as life logging. Yeah. To me, life logging is an automated process of, of recording images regardless of if they merit taking a picture <laughs> it's just like here's here's the idea is to cap, cap capture the mundane um as well as as the more memorable moments well that's exciting yeah so life logging next time in the insta podcast Kristen, thanks so much for coming out on this busy week for you thanks for not canceling because you had too much to do yes i'm i'm so busy <laughs> my life full of stuff yeah that was fun all right thanks for listening to the in stuff podcast if you'd like to join the discussion or see links to the things we referenced in today's episode feel free to pop on over to instuffpodcast.com that's the letter n stuffpodcast.com if you're enjoying the InStuff podcast, check out my other podcast, Dark Winter Nights, True Stories from Alaska. In each episode, we share amazing true stories from Alaska told by the Alaskans who experienced them. The New York Times recently called Dark Winter Nights the best winter podcast for storytelling lovers. Check out Dark Winter Nights, True Stories from Alaska, wherever you get your podcasts or at darkwinternights.com. The InStuff podcast is sponsored by Scratch Band. Just stop touching your face. Don't make me explain why anymore. It's gross. I don't care if you buy Scratch Band or come up with some other way to do it, but just quit. I mean, it's the easiest way I've found to quit touching my face, but, you know, whatever works for you. Scratch Band. Join the evolution. More information at scratchband.life, also available on Amazon.com.